Alice Ann Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in. Meaning, I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals Eye View podcast. It was in 1945 that the United Nations put forward a universal declaration of human rights. And for those of you who are not the history buffs I am, that would come after the end of World War II and the fall of Nazi Germany. I do like reading about history as I think it informs human experience, more specifically on what not to do. And of course, we still struggle with that. And we also still struggle with what to do and more specifically, how to be. I'll put some links to the UN Declaration uh, PDF in the podcast notes for you to read if you're so inclined. But let me read just a little bit of it for you. Quote, human rights are rights inherent to all human beings, regardless of race, sex, nationality, ethnicity, language, religion, or any other status. Human rights include the right to life and liberty, freedom from slavery and torture, freedom of opinion and expression, the right to work and education, and many more. Everyone is entitled to these rights without discrimination. And if you go to the UN website link that I'll put in the podcast notes, you'll see that this original human rights declaration back in 1945 was amended in 1948. And that kind of spawned a whole kind of following of different kinds of rights that the United Nations perceived should be attributed to every, at least, human being on the planet. And it has come up recently, and I think it kind of is cyclical, although maybe we're kind of getting closer to it, where humans talk more and more about simply taking the rights that we have as humans and putting them on top of animals so that animals, from our human perspective, have the same rights that we do, as if we think that that would just kind of magically solve everything. And you might see some people, some different groups talking about personhood for animals and from my perspective, and at least from the perspective of the animals, that's kind of going about it the wrong way. Because the human rights that we frankly don't even give to every member of our species equitably really can't be amended or just kind of smacked down on top of animals as if that would kind of fix everything. And you'll see why kind of toward the end of the podcast, um, but we'll talk about this a little bit more. 
Animal rights, it turns out, is based on a philosophy, a way of thinking about a thing. And in this case, the rights of other sentient beings on the planet to have the same access to life, liberty, freedom of expression, etc., that we humans perceive we have. And of course, that's the rub, right? Because currently, at least here in the U.S., not all humans actually have the same rights as each other across the board. People of color do not enjoy liberty or life in the same way that white people do. Depending upon your belief system or religion, other people in other countries do not have the same liberty as those not in the same belief system of religion, despite all of them being souls in human experience. And so the animals would say, and I would say, how can we possibly extend to those of whom we are in the position of guardian and steward the rights that we perceive they need, yet we don't extend them across the board to those of our own species? Animals would say that that would be and is the height of hypocrisy, attempting to give to them what we do not give to ourselves. And by ourselves, they mean the collective, air quotes, we, which is what they're all about. Despite their phenomenal differences physically, as well as predator and prey, each species and each member of each species would want for the other of them to be treated the same because they embrace and understand the importance of the balance of it all the equity of it all that's vital to every being because they are so deeply connected to each other, then they understand predator needs prey, prey actually needs predator. This is, this is a balancing act. This is the ultimate universal seesaw, if you will, in, in trying to maintain homeostasis. From Aristotle to Charles Darwin, that's a long space of time. The rights of animals seem to go hand in glove with our perception that beings in animal experience either have sentience, which is the ability to feel, or they don't. In our human-centric world, we've put ourselves on top when, frankly, we weren't meant to be there. We were meant to coordinate the care and the feeding of the entire planet with all the other species because you know what? They do it really, really, really well with each other. We've also struggled with the history, past and present, of claiming animals to be property. And we also tend to see only other sentient beings such as gorillas and chimpanzees as deserving of an animal bill of rights, if you will. Why? mostly because we're told our DNA most closely matches theirs. How comfortable are we with assigning a clearly sentient being who on an average day I would submit is way smarter than the average human and whose DNA is not found anywhere else on the planet, a bill of rights? I'm speaking, of course, of the octopus. What about insects? Do their societal structures where all work together, such as be an ant, deserve a bill of rights? I know that there will be some who will say, it's just a bug, it's just a fish, it's just a rat or a mouse or a snake or an iguana. You see where I'm going. Again, if we can't manage the equitable 
application of we of what we perceive are rights of all of our species, what makes us think we can manage the same for other species? And at this point, I'm getting a really skeptical side eye from what looks to be a representative from each one of the three elements, earth, air, and water, who all, just like you and I, dear listener, have the element of fire within us. They're naturally disbelieving of the fact that we could actually pull this together. There will also be some in human experience who would say, but animals help us to fight disease and find cures of all kinds when we experiment on their bodies before giving it to human bodies. Again, the lifting of human above the other species on the planet. Are we willing as a species to not use and abuse their bodies in pursuit of what only makes our numbers grow out of balance with what is able to be supported by the resources on the planet? Are we willing to embrace the shade designated by the soul path during our own experience so that another sentient being doesn't, by extension of animal experimentation, take that on for us? Meaning, are we willing to honor the terminal dis-ease that comes into our lives, the lives of our family, the lives of our friends? You would notice that even with our companion animals, I can't tell you the number of times that, particularly if it's an animal that's getting on in years, I won't find out about a terminal disease until there's until it's usually way too late to do something about it. And when I ask the animal about it, they would kind they kind of shrug their shoulders and they say, "Yeah, I don't want to go through the chemotherapy. I do not want to go through." any sort of extending or life-saving measures, if my body tells me it's time to go, it's time to go. It doesn't really matter the reason. It doesn't really matter to me the being an animal experience how old I am or how long I've been here on this planet. That's not really up to me in this experience because, again, they know that this is being dictated by soul path. I would also ask, what about not counting sentient beings in animal experience as part of our wealth and not seeing them as property? Are we willing to completely and totally upend our current structures of belief and perhaps socioeconomic mores so that having livestock isn't counted as property, but are rather seen as extended family members with whom we share resources? Are we willing to give up factory farming so that the chain of unrelenting impact of trauma on both the earth and animal beings is slowed and ultimately reversed? I don't, I don't know the answer to any of these questions. And yet I do know that beings in human experience have no right to give to other sentient beings that which they cannot assure themselves of in other words, our own rights. It must come from the animals themselves and to be so sweeping in scope that it pales in comparison to our own attempt at vocalizing our own rights. Why? Because after all, they do know better than we can ever hope to about how to live life on this planet and what they most need in order to thrive on this planet. Because they are smarter, they're more compassionate, and they are more in balance with all other beings on the planet. At this point, 
than, than we are, certainly. For us to step into the place of being as they are can remain and is at this point a lofty goal for our species. The animals and I took a stab, and actually this was quite some time ago, maybe a couple of years ago, at what I would call animal hood, because I was in the midst of putting the bones together, if you will, of the book that is is going to be published <laughs> one of these days. I have made a promise to myself and to the animals. And it seemed to me, and I was getting the message from them, that this would be a good thing to be able to put into the book because it comes from the animals. It comes from whatever it is that they perceive in order to have their very best possible experience here on the planet Earth and in living with all other species. It seemed like this was their animal bill of rights and it seemed to be the one that kind of struck close to home and partnered with them really well, at least as far as energy goes. I'll read to you now what that is. And in, as a preface, I would give you a quote by St. Francis of Assisi. If you have men who will exclude any of God's creatures from the shelter of compassion and pity, you will have men who will deal likewise with their fellow men. And so here's the statement of animal rights or animal hood, as the animals would see it. All animal beings of all species are afforded the same self-determined rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of joy. Nothing about their physical form or place as predator or prey in the natural world will be used against them, nor will the human species interfere in their lives and interrupt the animal's life cycle, habitat, or natural order of animal experience on earth. Animal beings will be protected under the law and given the same protection from abuse and violent crime perpetrated against them by human beings as is given to other human beings. Animal beings alone will consent to interaction with humans upon request and will alone designate the scope, length, and depth of any interaction. This will include their offspring, as their parental rights will not be waived by any form or perception of ownership by humans. From this point forward, the only relationship between animals and humans will be one of mutual respect and compassion. It will be recognized and accepted as mutual truth that all sentient beings are connected members of the whole earth system, and no group of either human or animal will have dominion over the other. And I know that that might seem like a pretty good leap. <laughs> and I can feel that that seesaw that I mentioned is starting to get more weight on one end and a little bit less weight on the other end. And even just by listening to that, you kind of feel your feet get a little bit light on the ground. I would say that's how it's supposed to be. In reestablishing equilibrium and equity, there's always going to be a group that will perceive that something is being taken away from them. That as humans, how, how come, why can't we say how we're going to use animals? 
Why can't we say that this is how it's going to be? And animals would say, because that that does nothing to move all species on the planet and the planet herself back to equilibrium. We all must share in this, or we must all not share in this. It's fairly black and white. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of gray in this. At least that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. Leave a review if you're so inspired and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service via www.lizanneflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I invite you to sign up for my quarterly newsletter on my website where, where I also post notices for upcoming events such as new classes and online psychic fairs. This has been the Animal's Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time.